from God like this. I have made you the father of many nations. I promise. Why did God say I promise? Because Abraham and Sarah were well up in years. They could not conceive together when they were younger. Now they're past the age of being able to conceive children. And there was no physical evidence that she could have children, that she would even have a cycle to have children. And so when God proclaimed what he had made them, it seemed so far-fetched to them, he said, I promise. But the promise had the same effect on Abraham that it has upon God's people today when the things that he's promised you. See, see, God says, by the stripes Jesus took upon his back, I healed you. By his stripes you were healed. I promise. Yes, amen. We hear promise and, and we shift to thinking, okay, he's promised to heal me one day. No, he says, I've healed you already. I promise. Do you see the difference in that? All right, we're going to dig into that a little deeper tonight. But just as they were singing that, we tend to think of a promise as something that's going to be done or something that's being done with some future completion. But that's not how it works when our Father makes us a promise. Amen? All right, let's begin tonight the best of our ability where we left off on last Wednesday. And I know some of you may not have been here for that portion, but we'll do um, a, uh, a quick review. All right. In Mark chapter 11, verse 24, Jesus speaking, he says, Therefore I say to you, so therefore, meaning in light of what just happened, in light of what you just seen, in light of what I just explained to you, in light of what... You just experienced, which was what? He spoke to the fig tree one day and nothing seemed to happen to it. Uh, it looked like nothing changed uh, and it felt a little odd on behalf of the disciples, but they went on their way. They came back the next day and the fig tree had withered from the roots. Jesus had their attention. Shazam, wow, Jesus, look at this. They were all surprised Jesus was not. He said, have faith in God. And as I call this the greatest faith lesson ever taught because Jesus was not just telling us about it. He was demonstrating, us, demonstrating faith for us. He wanted to make it very clear, first of all, that what they were witnessing, what had happened, what had taken place in front of their very eyes was something faith in God had produced. The faith of God working in a human being had produced those results. And Jesus says, this is not just for me. You know, Jesus didn't say, don't try this at home, boys. He said... If you have the faith, right, you will say to the mountain and it will be moved. And so after he delivers this, he then says, therefore. So it's, it's, I sometimes look at verse 24 as a summation of, of this entire lesson. Whatever things you ask when you pray, therefore, because of what I just revealed to you about faith, because of, of what you just experienced, because of what you witnessed with your own eyes, Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. 
Jesus believed when he spoke to the tree, and it didn't look, seem, or feel like anything changed, but that didn't move Jesus because he believed that it happened the moment that he spoke it. Mark eleven twenty four from the English Standard Version, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. The God's Word translation says, I tell you to have faith that you have already received whatever you pray for, and it will be yours. So there is a principle here that a lot of people are overlooking or ignoring that is preventing them from receiving what they pray for, from experiencing results from their praying, because they're not following the established pattern that Jesus not only practiced, but then instructed us to follow. And we see it again in Abraham's example. He struggled with it for a while, like a lot of people struggle with it for a while. But praise God, Abraham learned... And, and as he began to understand exactly what God was saying and exactly what it is that, that God had done and exactly how faith worked in that situation, Abraham believed that he was the father of a multitude before Sarah ever conceived a child. Why is it necessary to believe you have received? Think about that for a minute. I, I know I've said this a couple of times already, but I want you to think about that. Why, why do you have to believe you've received? It should be obvious, shouldn't it? If you've received it, you've got it right there in your hand. If you've received it, you're feeling better. If you received it, uh, the, the, you know, the money's in your wallet. Now, see, he's talking about believing you've received something without any kind of visual or sensory confirmation as evidence. Right? That's why faith is the evidence that you have received what you can't see yet with your physical eyes. Now, we've said that one statement, believe you've already received, is the biggest hurdle for those learning to walk in and receive by faith. And a one-dimensional approach to receiving has conditioned us to only believe we have received after we hold the desire in our hands and not before. But that's not the pattern. The pattern is not, I'll believe I've received it when I have it. I'll believe I receive it when I feel better. I'll believe I receive it when this happens or when that comes to pass or when this. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, believe you have received it before anything on the natural side has changed. And he says, you will have what you ask for. This is where the statement we made several weeks back comes from. It's, it's rooted in this, that faith's results are immediate but are not immediately visible. Remember, the Lord spoke this to me and He wanted me to speak it to you. He said, every mountain you've ever spoken to in your life by faith moved the moment you spoke to it. But a lot of people, like Peter, he began to walk on the water, but when he took his eyes off the object of his faith and began to look at the circumstances surrounding him, he slipped back into doubt and unbelief and he began to sink. 
We speak to the mountain and the mountain moves, but because we don't understand that we've already received it, we don't think it, 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 it skews things, it gets the, the pattern out of whack, so to speak, and we wind up missing the opportunity to hold the answer in our hands. If the results received by faith were immediately visible, there would be no need for hope because the Bible says you don't hope for what you see. Now, from the Amplified, and I know, I know this is review, but I just this is too important for us to not keep pounding away at, okay? In Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And what we've learned along the way is that things is the word pragma in the Greek and in this particular application it literally means things done. Faith is the substance of things done. There's a difference between something being done there's a, there's, and there's a difference between something uh, that's going to be done versus something that is done. Okay? And so faith is the substance of things done and confidently expected the evidence of things done but not yet seen. So things done, things being done, things to be done. All right? Now, let's, let's take this piece and let's go back now to some verses that um, I'm hoping you are very familiar with uh, by now, but I want you to keep this in mind because anybody remember the story? I, I, um, I had purchased a, a red truck. I, I wanted a charcoal gray truck, but they didn't have any, and they, and they had a red one. And I told Pam, I said, I said you know, I, um, I like that. I mean, it's kind of growing on me. I said, I've never seen one that color. It must be rare. And so I bought that truck, and I saw two or three of them on my way home. It's because my eyes now were open, and I'm seeing what had been all around me the whole time, but until I actually had that for myself, I wasn't noticing. But now, everywhere I look, I'm noticing. As the Holy Spirit is opening our eyes up to things done as opposed to things to be done or things being done, things done, you start seeing it everywhere in the Scriptures. Let's look at a few. One of my favorites, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Let's put a little background behind that. Praise God. All right. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that will be freely given, that God's going to eventually get around to giving, that he's in the process of giving, that he's, he's got somewhere in a container, somewhere on a boat heading this way. I promise he's going to give. Is that, no, that's not what it says. It says we have received. You see things done there. We have received, not the Spirit of the world, the Spirit of the God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So do you see why Jesus told us in Mark 11 to believe we've already received? Because as far as God is concerned, you have been given. How about 1 John 4, 4? 
you are of God, little children, and will eventually overcome them. Is that what it says? It says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Jesus told his disciples in John 16 and 33, he says, in this world, you're going to face some tribulation. In this world, you're going to, you're going to have some challenges and there's going to be some things that look like they're against you and, 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 and obstacles that, that seem impossible to overcome. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So because Jesus has overcome the world and given his victory over the world to you and me, he now talks about your victory in the past tense. Trying to overcome. You've already overcome. But see, as long as we see our victory as something we're trying to obtain, our victory is something we're trying to, to figure out, you know, one of these days. No, see, today, now. I like this one right here, 2 Timothy 1.9. It's one of my favorites, to be honest with you. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which will be given to us one day in heaven. Which will be given to us, you know, just as soon as you figure out your, uh, you know, bad habits and, and get, get some things, you know, right in your life and thinking. Is that what it says? No. It says that purpose and grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. How is it possible for you to be... See, we're thinking, how can I have something you know, right now that I don't know I have? Well, brother, sister, not only do you have it right now, whether you know you have it or not, it was given to you before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. How, how is that possible? Revelation tells us he was the lamb. He bought and paid for it and gave it to you. And he had already agreed to be killed and sacrificed for you to give you these things before the foundation of the world. Is it making a little more sense to you now why 1 Peter 2.24 speaks of our healing in the past tense? Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Ephesians 1.3 says you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. 2 Peter 1.3 says you have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Hebrews 10.14 says you have been perfected forever. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. See, religion understands this as sanctification is a process to produce perfection. In other words, you, 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 you work and you strive and, and, and we're all trying to obtain, you know, this, this perfection. That's, that's, that's completely backwards. You have been perfected. We're not working from a place of imperfection trying to become perfect. We're working from a place of perfection and, and, and how to live that out and display that and reflect that in our life reality. The Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Come and I'll give you rest. Learn from me and you'll find rest. Now, here is a, another verse that 
if we look at it in light of Mark 11, where Jesus said, believe you've already received. If we look at it in light of uh, Hebrews 11, where he says, faith is the substance of things done. Substance of things done and confidently expected. The evidence of things done but not yet seen. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 instructs us, we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Let me share a few thoughts with you that the Lord was just kind of, me and Him meditating on this verse together today. No matter how hard you try, you cannot walk by faith and by sight at the same time. And that's what a lot of people are trying to do. But, but in their effort to walk by faith and by sight at the same time, they're nullifying or voiding their faith. You ever written a really big check? And, and like, you know, so you know, if you're writing a check for $5, like, you can whip out five, you know, then all of a sudden you're like, $43,719, and you see why business checks are this long, right? You know, you, you, you know and um, I, my handwriting wasn't the best before the digital age, and now I do so much on a computer. Somebody asked me a while ago to write um, down uh, the church website and that sort of thing, and I was like, man, you, you write it. I, you know, my, anyway, praise God, my, my handwriting is, is, is not the best. And so what winds up happening sometimes is, I void a lot of checks because I don't write them right. You know what I'm saying? Am I the only one? Come on. You know, it's like, oh, man, avoid that one, you know, and stuff. So um, that's what a lot of people, whether they realize it or not, perfectly good faith, they're voiding it. It's an instrument. Faith's an instrument. It's a tool. It's an ability that God has, has given to us. But when we try to operate in faith by sight. We try to do both at the same time. See, that's, that's remember we said this a couple of weeks ago, you, you pray and you ask God for healing and then consider how you're feeling to determine whether or not you receive something. It's like, okay, I'm ask, i got to ask you for healing. Oh man, my arm's still hurting. Hell, I must not receive anything. See, see that, you're trying to walk by faith and by sight at the same time, you're using the one-dimensional approach of visual confirmation to determine whether or not, which is really nothing more than I will believe it when I see it. When we try to walk by faith and by sight at the same time, what we wind up doing is we wait for the visual confirmation to, to, to be evidence for our faith, and it's just the opposite of that. So you can't walk by faith and by sight at the same time. Another issue with that is what we see and what we have believed. And that's, I'm, I'm really trying to, the Holy Spirit's helping me renew my mind. I mean, I, event, what I originally had in here is what we see and what we are believing. But it's, it's not just what we are believing, I and mean, we, we are believing, but it's what we have believed, Right? You can't walk by faith and by sight at the same time because what you're seeing and what you have believed 
are more than likely in contradiction to one another. If what we believed and what we are seeing were the same thing, we wouldn't have to choose to walk by one and not the other. But see, these things are, it, it, it's, it's, it's very similar, not very similar, it's identical, basically, where God said you can't serve God and money. You're either going to love the one, hate the other, you're going to be faithful to the one or despise the other. And I can't tell you how many people that I've said that to in their minds, they say, well, I'm the exception to that. I can do both. No, you can't. It's because you're, you're, it's, it has to do with where your trust lies, which one you, you, you look to. You start asking questions like, okay, well, um, which, which one are you more likely to uh, sacrifice for? You know, <laughs> you find what I'm saying? Like, how many times, well, you know, well, you know, we got to go to work. We'll, we'll catch church next time. I'm not, listen, I'm not, I understand some of you work on Sundays. I had to do that. At, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, hear me, please. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm just trying to show you. We, we, it, it's very easy to think that we can do both. Jesus said we couldn't. And in the same way, when, when, we, when, we, when we try to walk by faith and by sight at the same time, it cancels out our faith. We must choose to walk by what we believe we have received instead of walking by the way things look, seem, and feel. These two begin out of alignment with one another. They are in opposition to one another. So what do we do? We continue to endure in faith until what we believe... or Thank you, Holy Spirit until what we have believed brings what we are seeing into alignment with it. We're not not trying to see how we can compromise and let these two get along with one another. This is a a struggle. It's a battle. They're in contradiction to one another. But if, if we will continue to focus on the things that we can't see, that's faith. What we have believed but can't see, it will bring what we can see into alignment with it. All right, so remember, the truth we believe is eternal. And what we see is temporary. We see, what we see are the facts. What we believe but can't see, at least initially, is truth. It's a fact that it did not rain today, unless it rained since I've been in class or whatever, okay? But that will not be the fact tomorrow. There's rain forecasted tomorrow. So something that is a fact is subject to change, but something that is true, it never changes. So we understand then that visible facts cannot change eternal truth, but eternal truth can change visible facts. If we live according to the visible facts, the eternal truth will be ineffective to change our circumstances. That's why faith without works is is dead. You have to act on what you have believed but don't yet see. Do you see how all this lines up with Jesus' teaching us to believe we have already received I didn't say that right. Do you see how all this lines up with Jesus teaching us to believe we have already received 
and we will have what we ask. Do you see this? I, I, that, listen to me now. That's important right here. I, I got a lot of stuff tonight. We're not going to... Amen. I'm, let's just take our time. Praise God. This is how... And I, I would imagine it's how the Lord teaches everybody, okay? And I, I'm not trying to act like I'm something different or unique or, or special or whatever, but... <clears throat> As the Lord begins to reveal things to you, spirit of wisdom and revelation, okay, we have two sources for verification that this is indeed the Lord speaking to us. The first one is the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. The inward witness of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever, on the radio, sitting in a service or watching some, maybe a preacher on television or whatever, and they were saying something that you had never heard before that you really didn't understand, but something on the inside of you says, man, I don't really understand exactly what he's saying there, but that, that, that's, i got to look into that more. That sounds right. As well as the opposite, where you hear something and you're like, mm, man, I... I don't know. I'm not sure the scriptures support that, right? Inward witness, Holy Spirit. He leads us and guides us into all truth. So the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. So we have the inward witness, and then we have the Word of God, right? And it, it, especially on um, the teachings that we've been on now for several months I think maybe more than any others in my life there's 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 a lot of stuff that we've said over and over again and I don't I don't apologize for repeating things this, that's how we learn and it you know something about sometimes you hear something you hear the same thing four times and the fourth time it's said a slightly different way and you know the word of God is like the hammer that breaks the rock into pieces and sometimes we just have to keep chipping away Things that we've thought and heard and believed our whole lives that are not that are not right are not exactly right. You just you just got to keep chipping away at them with the truth. And I'm not I'm not uh, I'm very patient, amen. And, and and I'm not embarrassed at all uh, to do that. And and we'll continue to do that. But but there's more to it in what we've been doing here of late. It's because as the Lord shows us more and more, now we go back through all these other verses about the inward realities of the new birth and. And things that have been given, things that have been done, things that we have received. And, and, and we see that every bit of that in the Word confirms what Jesus said about believing you've already received. Even that we receive purpose and grace in Christ Jesus before time began. All right, now let me try to say this uh, another way. It's the same thing, but I'm just saying another way, right? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith operates in a things done mentality. Believing you have received. Right? So, compare these three positions. Compare I have received to I am receiving and I will receive. Do you, 
Do you see the difference here? I have received. I am receiving. And I will receive. It almost, it, it almost is a way to chart or measure my growth and development and understanding in these things. Because I started out believing I would receive. But then at somewhere along the way, my confession changed to you know, let's say uh, uh, I'm blowing my nose and coughing and running a fever or whatever, and somebody say something, I'll say, I, I, this is what I used to say. I used to say, I'm receiving my healing. You feeling okay? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm all right. It's going to be okay. I'm, I'm receiving healing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm say, okay. Well, Amen. But Jesus didn't say, you are receiving, you will receive. He said, believe you have received. Come on now. The righteous are as bold as a lion. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to be bold in our faith if, if, if we're going to be men and women of faith. We, we can't just, you know, patty cake around with this. I don't know if we'll get there tonight, but you know, God calls things that be not as though they were. Let the weak man say, I'm strong. God's not telling him to lie. God's made him strong. He's put strength in his inner man. That you would be strengthened with might in your inner man. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in your inner man. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. This inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. You will speak with new tongues. You will cast out devils. You will lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover. How can you do that? You can do that because of who is in you and because of what you have been given and what has been done for you and for all those that God would have you to minister to. See, we've we got to quit thinking about, you know, how can we pull this off? That, I think that was based upon Abraham and him having uh, a child with, and Sarah was in full agreement with it, she, I think it was her idea, um, that, that Abraham have a child with her servant girl. Um, what is he trying to do? He's, he's trying to figure out how to pull it off. He's trying to figure out how to make it happen. He's trying to figure out what he can do to, 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 to get this ball rolling, to, 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 to make this whole thing come to pass. He's just figuring out how to deal with it, right? And he's dealing with it. Are you hearing me? See, I think that's a lot of times when... When, when we are instructed to minister to people, we start thinking, how can we make this happen? How can, how can we pull this off? How can we do this or that? And what we do, it's already done. We're not trying to make something happen. Jesus has already done it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
So the question we need to answer is this. When are you going to believe it's done? When are you going to believe it's done? Because that, to me, let's go back. I said already a few times, last week, week before, believing you've already received, this is the hurdle. Anybody remember last week when I was trying to come up with the right words and I kept saying separate the men from the boys, the, the women from the girls and all. And that got me close, but this is what I was looking for. It separates the haves from the have-nots. It separates the haves from the have-nots. It separates the people who actually, you know, walk in and experience and enjoy in their life reality the things that have been given to them, the things that have been done for them, the things that, um, you know, that they have asked for and believe that they have received from those who are waiting for it to happen one day. Let me, I'm going to skip ahead of some stuff and, and then we'll, we'll come back. Um, Brother Donald is going to be bringing the word next uh, Wednesday. Uh, Pam and I will be here Sunday, but we're heading out Monday too. It's the annual minister's conference out in uh, Brother Colton's ministry. And so appreciate you allowing us an opportunity to be away for a few days for that. That's always a, a very uh, encouraging and, and strengthening and just, you know, many hours a day of ministry, and, and I'm, I'm going to sit back and enjoy and participate in every bit of it, okay? So um, so it'll, it'll be a couple of weeks before we get back to this. But one of the things that we see in Abraham's situation is how doubt initially manifested in his experience. And when I skipped a lot of stuff leading up to this, but I want to get to this part, so let me see if I can summarize some of that just real quick like. There is a tendency in us to, especially when we're in crisis mode, to do things, extra things that we wouldn't normally do. Gulf War I, Pam and I were youth pastors at a church in Bessemer, and when we went into Kuwait, it was almost standing room only on a Wednesday night at church. There were people in church I had never seen before. And if they, it's, it's like, this: is this going to be World War III? I mean, there were people, they were, they were scared, they were desperate. And they decided to turn TV off and come to church on Wednesday night. And I'm, I'm glad they did. Of course, when made kind of short order of all that, then it went back to the handful of faithfuls on Wednesday night. 
So in this, in this moment of urgency where we're, we're trying to, you know, we need a miracle. We, we, we need breakthrough. We, we, you know. And so especially, it's true with anybody. It's true with people who don't even know God, you know. I mean, but we, we try to compensate for our doubt by doing Because doubt says you haven't prayed enough. You haven't been good enough. You haven't waited long enough. Doubt will tell you you haven't suffered enough. You haven't learned enough. You haven't done enough. You need to do more. You need to fast. You need to try harder. You need to do better. You need to read your Bible more. You need to make more confessions. You need to be more positive. You need to be more loving. You need to be, and this list goes on and on and on and on and on. Now, I'm certainly recommending that you be humble and you read your Bible and you pray and all that. Lord, lead you fast. I'm not saying those things. but, But when we do those things to try and compensate for doubt... Right? We're trying to, it's like, we, we, we're falling into this pattern. So when, the, when Romans chapter 4 begins with, what did Abraham learn <laughs> about works? He learned that when you believe you've already received, you quit trying to make it happen and you rest. Last thing I'll say, and we'll pray, okay? You will not be at rest until you are fully convinced it's done. Once you are convinced it's a thing done, then you'll rest. You'll rest. But until you believe you've already received and it's done, no evidence. Matter of fact, there's more evidence that says it's not done than um, you know, any visual confirmation that says it is. But once you come to that place, that's, that's, when, that's when the rest. That's when you're not you know, trying to pray 24 hours a day to move God and get people to fast and pray in three countries and... Surely by now we've got so many people in nine states and four provinces of Canada that's praying, you know, 6,000 words an hour. And God, surely now you, you've got to do something for us to help us, right? You know what Abraham learned that that approach does? It voids your faith and makes the promise of no effect. Amen. Stand with me. It nullifies your faith and makes the promise ineffective. I think I know you because I know me. My tendency is in the flesh when something is not working to try harder. 
And if it's not, if it's not working, then I'm, I need to try something else and try it harder and double my efforts on what I was doing before. And surely at some point, I will try enough things long enough and hard enough that we'll just get it done. That's, that's kind of how. And what we don't realize is that the devil has used that works-based, earning, putting God in your debt, God owing you mentality. He's, he's lured us away from the established pattern with that mindset. And now, like Abraham, we're thinking, <clears throat> you remember what Abraham said? I got it in my notes somewhere. I'm not, I'm, I know you're standing and you're ready to go. Let me just say, you know what Abraham said? He's like, come on, God, can we not just let Ishmael count and move on? Oh, God, let Ishmael stand before you. What is he saying? He's like, God, come on, man, this thing. I've tried everything I know to do, God, and finally we got a kid here. Can't you just let it count? God said, I made you and Sarah. Right? It's what I said. It's what I said. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for helping us get beyond the frustrations of of trying to work spiritual things from a fleshly approach and, and perspective. Father, thank you for helping us, Lord, understand the established pattern revealed throughout the Word of God displayed in the epic saga of Abraham's life and then taught and displayed with great precision in the earthly life and teachings of Jesus. Father, there are a lot of people that are listening to me right now that know whatever it is they're asking you for is your will. Know that... (laughs) that Jesus wanted us to have it enough to die for us, to get it to us, Lord. All, all these things. And, and, and so, Father, help us see that we can't compensate for our uncertainty by works and by our own fleshly efforts. But, Father, we just, we just take a deep breath and we rest in knowing that it's done. It's done. Father, I just uh, I feel impressed right now. Anyone that's listening or watching or in the room or any member of this family of faith, Father, that may be uh, dealing with, with uh, symptoms of, of sickness and illness in their bodies, Father, Lord, we just we release our faith and we release healing, Lord, to them. We have a covenant of healing, Father, and we just agree together, Lord, that um, that there will be a speedy, speedy restoration to full strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this evening.
You be blessed. You go in faith. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Know, know, know that you're loved. Amen.